It is such a joy. Welcome to our Janesville location as well. Come on, let's make them feel welcome also. So good. Hey, I'm excited that I get a chance to be back with you today. I absolutely love your pastors, Pastor Jerry and Jen, and thankful for what God continues to do in their lives and through their lives. If City First is becoming your home church, I just want you to know you are in a healthy place with people that love God and love people as well. City First, can I get a good oh yeah right there? Absolutely. Hey, I'm excited to hop into the next installment in our series, The Future Is Now. Pastor Lisa got us kicked off last week in it, and I'm excited to, to take our next step together. If you're taking notes, the scripture we're going to look at, where we're really going to base our time today, is from Psalm 1. Maybe familiar to some or it'll be new to others, but Psalm 1 is a great spot because how many would agree we all want to be blessed? Okay, y'all quiet. I'm going to go talk to them over here. Uh, we, we all want to be blessed. We all want to experience what it's like to be blessed. Some of you are going to get engaged this year. And when you do the post that she said yes, you're going to say hashtag blessed. Some of you doing 75 hard to start the year. You've coupled it with your prayer and fasting. When you finish 75 hard, you're going to have a before and after photo hashtag Blessed. Some of you are going to finish your education a little bit later this year. You're going to experience growth in your, and get a promotion in the specific career field that you're in. And when you brag about it and give God the glory, you're going to say what? Hashtag blessed. But how many would agree in this room in City First Anywhere that we know being blessed is more than cash or cars or creature comforts? Being blessed is connected to who we are serving, and his name is who? Jesus. God doesn't desire that it would be a, a mystery of what it's going to be to live a blessed life. He, he actually lays it out for us in scripture. And in Psalm 1, uh, there's a poem that's written that gives us a depiction of what this blessed life looks like. And the writer here says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Let's go to verse three. And, and he will be like a tree, firmly planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he what? Prospers. The wicked, they're not so. But they're like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. What God does here is he gives us a very clear, clear depiction there's only two different roads, two different directions that our lives can go. And the choice is always ours. There's a righteous way, there's a wicked way. And the choice is always ours. Dr. Henry Cloud actually says it like this, that you are ridiculously in charge of your life. And although we know that there are a number of circumstances that are outside of control, outside of our control, there are always choices we make of how we respond to the circumstances we've been handed. There's two directions, 
and you always have a choice of where it goes. The writer, the poet, also shows us there, there are three actions here that scripture points to, the action of walking, the action of standing, and the action of sitting. Scripture uses these three actions to point to three different things that we experience in our own life. The blessed person does not walk, does not stand, does not sit. Kyle, are you saying that there are just some things that as a believer and follower, I'm not supposed to do? Absolutely. It's not because we live a life based upon rules and regulations, but in order to experience the beauty of the relationship that Jesus opened for us to have, there are guardrails and boundaries that God has put in place for us to experience his best. For the future to be now, We've got to live the way that God has asked us to live when? Now. Because the choices we make now will bleed over into our future. These, these three actions of walk, stand, and sit, they, they lead to three different actions that come through our lives. Our thinking, our behaving, and our belonging. Walk, stand, sit. Thinking, behaving, belonging. Walk, stand, sit. Thinking, behaving, belonging. Let's take the first one here. The writer says that the blessed individual walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Simply put, who I walk with influences my thinking. Ever suffer from, to use the cliche, stinking thinking, you may want to take a step back for a moment and ask, who have I chosen to walk alongside of? Who have I chosen to travel from day in and, and day out with because who I walk with influences my thinking. My dad would say it like this, hey, be careful hanging out with fools because from a distance, nobody knows who's is who. It's in these moments that I'm reminded that scripture is very clear all throughout it that good morals can be corrupted by bad company. We've got to be careful of who we allow ourselves to walk with. Now, in this room, City First Anywhere, this doesn't mean that we get rid of those friends of ours who are still on their faith journey to find Jesus. We've got to be a light to them. But you do have to be cautious of how close you allow them in proximity to your life. Why? Because there's only two directions this thing goes. A way of righteousness or a way of wickedness. And the blessed individual is someone who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked or the ungodly. They, they take time to develop their thought processes based upon the foundation of truth that is found in God's word. Now, I know these days that we live in now, truth can be relative to some people. But to the believer and follower, we don't have the luxury of allowing truth to be relative. It cannot be relative to our experiences, and it definitely can't be relative to our emotions. Truth has to be rooted in something that is timeless. Truth has to be rooting in something that has been rooted in something that has been proven. And truth has to be rooted in something that is unmovable. Maybe it's just me, but have you ever gone through a season in life where you believed one thing and then something happened in life and it flipped into a whole other belief? However, God says, no, the blessed person walks with truth in hand and they're careful about who and how 
They allow their thoughts to be influenced. Who I walk with influences my thinking. Recently, uh, Danielle and I experienced this and uh, our seven-year-old daughter broke her elbow practicing gymnastics. It was in this experience that uh, as a dad, I, I didn't quite know what to do. I just knew that I am not able to help you because I am not a doctor. I'm a pastor. I'm a good at a, few, at, a, at a few things, but I'm not good at everything, especially not broken elbows. <laughs> we packed her up in the car really quickly, and, and on the drive, we just pulled out of our neighborhood, and I called a friend of mine who's a trauma doctor at, at the local hospital in our neighborhood, and I called him, and I said, hey, Savannah broke her elbow. I'm bringing her to your hospital. Is that the right location? To which he says, yep, right location. I'll call ahead, make sure that they know that you are on your way. We get there, we get settled. There's a series of conversations that have to happen because now Savannah has to have surgery to correct the, fa- the uh, fracture that she experienced in her elbow. So I what? Called my friend again and said, hey, they're saying they need to move her to this other hospital. Is that the best option? He co-signed. When we were in the ambulance and on our way down to the new hospital, which was an hour away, he again reminded me that everything we were doing was correct. My thinking was influenced by someone who knew how to handle the situation best. If this applies to a broken elbow, how much more does this apply to the broken fragments of our lives that we hold in our hands from time to time? And I'm afraid that too often we go to the wrong people. Here we go. We are asking the right questions to the wrong people. We're asking single friends about how to handle our marriage. Okay, now y'all quiet. I'm going to go talk to them over here. We're, We're asking unbelievers about how to help us navigate through church challenges. We're asking people with trust issues about how to build trust. Am I in the right place today? We've got to be careful that we are not asking the right questions to the wrong people. And if you find yourself doing it, just so we're clear, it doesn't make you bad. It makes you human. But being human is not an excuse for not being blessed. As the believer and follower, God calls us to ask the right questions to the what? Right people. Next step in the process, uh, the writer says here, uh, this blessed person doesn't stand in the way of sinners. Remember walking, that, that, was, that was along the way, but standing means that you stop moving and you just decided to stay, stay still for a moment. You decided to check out the scene. You, you, you decided to, to mingle for a moment. But the blessed person does not stand in the way of sinners. The original definition of the word sinner here is someone who has allowed themselves to be given over to a thought and actions that are opposite of who God created them to be. And the caveat is they are okay with it. We're not talking about the fact that we sometimes navigate through challenges as we're unwinding from the life that we used to live and we're getting tied to the life that God has called us to live. We're not talking about that. We're talking about people that sin and they're okay with it. Scripture here says, blessed is the individual who doesn't stand in the way of sinners. Why? Because living the life that God saved you out of and called you to means at some point, we're going to have to draw a line in the sand and say, that's who I used to be, but this is who I am now. 
Jesus gives us a very clear depiction of this in Matthew chapter 7 when he makes this statement during the Sermon on the Mount. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. Let's go to the top part of that really quickly where he says, the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Can we be honest? In this room and CD First anywhere, you don't have to teach anybody how to sin. David says, we're born into sin. Just the other morning, I'm headed out to the kitchen, 6.30 in the morning, and my way out to the kitchen, I see his little two foot five body diving underneath the dining room table. It's our son, Kyrie. I say, Kyrie, what are you doing? He looks at me, he's got one marshmallow in one hand, one in another, and one in his mouth. He's almost four. You don't have to teach sin. It just comes naturally. Jesus here lays out for us, the gate is wide and the way is what? Easy. Gate is wide. The way is easy. Gate is wide. Way is easy. That's the one that leads to what? Destruction. Students, there are moments where the decision that you're going to have to make about the friend group that you allow yourself to be connected to, that decision is not going to be the easy one. The easy one, it might be the one that leads to what? Destruction. Blessed is the individual who does not stand in the way of sinners. Then Jesus, using language that the people of the day understand because he knew that travelers going from one town to another, they'd have to enter through a gate or a door from time to time. And because of how they packed for the trip, they may have to unload the beast that they traveled on because the things the beast was carrying were not going to fit through the door to their destination. Which means there are some times in living this blessed life that we have been called to live and have chosen to live that there are some things that are going to have to be removed from you for you to be able to get to the destination God has for you. If the future is now, some things are just gonna have to stop in the present. There are just some attitudes that we're gonna have to do with Taylor Swift and just shake it off. Shake it off. There's, there's some thought processes that we have allowed to set in over the course of time, and whether it's because of the family of origin you came from that you think that way, or because of some of the failures you've experienced in the past that you have allowed to shape you, there's just some things that are going to be have to taken off of you, or here we go, you may have to choose to lay them down. Notice when Jesus begins his public ministry, he starts off and people are attracted to him, but then when he begins to communicate, he uses language like this. If you want to follow me, you must first deny yourself, pick up your cross, a torture tool for criminals, and then you can follow me. I, I, I'm sorry, what was that, Jesus? <laughs> that was a little aggressive. Where's the softer version? There ain't one. Even in 2024, 
at some point, something is going to have to be taken off of us, and oftentimes it just means entry-level Christianity of denying ourselves. This is why we do prayer and fasting at the beginning of the year, because we're removing something we've gotten too connected to and replacing it with more time connected to the Lord through his word and by his spirit. In this, we'll find ourselves, here we go, the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. Have you ever followed Jesus before, made a choice to follow him, and it seems like everything blew up the next day? I'm looking for the real Christians, come on. I throw up my hands and praise you again and again while all hell is breaking out at my house. (laughs) Yeah. Like, y'all look nice right now. Y'all talking cute to each other, but let's be honest. Somebody argued in the car with your spouse before you walked in. You came in with your church face on, hello, God bless. Okay, all right, amen. (laughs) Trying to hold it together. I get it. I get it. Because the way that's hard leads to life. It's easy to cuss somebody out. Okay, all right, okay. It's hard to bite your tongue. It's easy to, you fill in the blank of the sin that fits the description. It's hard to go, hey, Jesus, whoo. Come on, sometimes all you got is a sound, whoo. It's hard. But those that find it are few. Those that find it are few. They're not few because it's, easy, because it's hard to find. It's few because not everybody is willing to die to self. Blessed is the individual who does not stand around with sinners. I'll end by saying this, who I stand with influences my behavior. Although following Jesus is not about behavior modification, following Jesus should result in different behaviors that follow us. It's called the fruit of the spirit. Pastor Adam said earlier when he was talking about Camilla and her story, he said, hey, 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 hey. When we give our lives to Jesus, the old us is passed away. The new us comes alive. And the new us has certain behaviors that follow along with it. Walk, stand, sit. The blessed individual does not sit in the seat of scoffers. Just look at somebody next to you and say, what's a scoffer? What what is a scoffer? That is not a word we have used in the last four years. (laughs) Scoffer, it's, it's just simply defined as someone who has chosen not just to live a life that is the opposite of what God asks, but also someone who is trying to encourage others to do the same. Whereas walk gave us an action that you're going from one area to another and stand means that you may have stopped to converse. Sit indicates that there was some level of intentionality to the action you chose. You don't unintentionally sit with people who aren't following God. You what? Chose to do that. You chose, here we go, to sit with them and to be more intimate in your conversation with them. You chose to sit with them and open the matters of your life and your heart to them. I've made a lot of choices in life unintentionally, like eating through a carton of ice cream chocolate chip cookie dough, whether you were wondering or not. (laughs) If you're going to live a blessed life, it requires a level of intentionality about who 
you sit with? Who do you give access to the innermost thoughts? Who, who do you give access to when it comes to navigating the emotions of anger and worry? Who do you give access to? Are they, here we go. Are they life-giving and spirit-led? Or are they just here to feed that emotional feeling of, oh, I get it, girl, <laughs> but not pushing you in the direction of, hey, what is God saying? This is why our life groups are so important because when we're in community with others who are, here we go, on the same journey as we are trying to follow Jesus, we sit with them, we'll find life-giving input. I just got one example of what it looks like, though, to, to sit with a, a scoffer. Main character of this particular scripture, his name is Samson. Samson is the strongest individual who has ever lived because God gave him supernatural strength to accomplish physical feats. However, Samson got comfortable in his gift and in his strength, and he allowed himself to be given over to sitting with anyone and everyone. Judges 16 actually begins by telling us that Samson had fallen into love and relationship with a number of different women. Scripture calls them prostitutes, women of the night. Samson was a wild one. Samson then shows up in verse 15 of Judges 16 with another woman named Delilah, whom he's tricked three different times and thought it was funny about where his strength comes from. Delilah says this to Samson, how can you say, I love you? That's just how I read scripture, I love you. <laughs> when you won't confide in me. This is the third time you've made a fool of me and you haven't told me the secret of your great strength. Again, how I read scripture. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was what? Sick to death of it. Oh, I'm sure he was. So because he was sick to death of it, verse 17, he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. He had purpose. He'd been blessed. He'd been given a gift. Here we go. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as another man. When Delilah saw that he had told her what? Everything. She sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, come, come back once more, he has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him. Last part, saddest part. And his strength left him. It just simply means this. You sit with people, the wrong people, ungodly people long enough and the strength you had in one season will be depleted from you in another. This is why sometimes we navigate through seasons where we go, man, I was so strong against this temptation in one season, but now I just seemingly keep falling back into it over and over again. It's because you chose to sit around ungodly counsel. Simply put, who I sit with influences where my loyalty lies. I can't serve God and self at the same time. 
I can't have it God's way and my way at the same time. Who I sit with influences where my loyalty lies. If these are three actions, if these are three actions that scripture calls us to not do and be careful of, then what is the thing that scripture does call us to do to allow us to be blessed? It says this, but his delight, the blessed individual's delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law, he meditates what? Day and night. Simply put, a blessed person is fully committed to God's word. This challenges us face to face because if we're honest in this room and watching City First anywhere, I'll put my hand up in agreement and just say, sometimes I like to cherry pick scripture to pick out the ones I like and leave to the side the ones I don't. Okay, cool. I'm just going to talk to City First anywhere because this is getting good. But the blessed person is fully committed to God's word. The stuff we like and the stuff we don't like. Like, I love when David in the psalm says, God, would you break their teeth and punch them in the face? Y'all pray for me this week. I'm going to therapy. (laughs) But the one I don't like is when he says, pray for your enemies. Love those. Pray for those who hurt you. No. (laughs) Way to go, pastor. I know. (laughs) But being fully committed means I, I actually, here we go. I have a choice, but when I made a choice to follow Jesus, it was the choice that made every other choice easy. Psalm 119 and 1 lays it out for us very quickly when it says this, blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk what? According to the law of the Lord. Not emotions, not opinions. Emotions, they're valid because they're yours. Opinions, eh. His law It's truth. And when we're fully committed, here we go. Psalm 119 and 93, I will never forget your commandments for by them you give me life. If the future is now, then the future is connected to our level, here we go, of obedience. That's a word that's not popular and it's a word that we don't really like to say out loud. We demand it of our kids, but sometimes we don't demand it of ourselves. We give ourselves out clause and caveats and different things that we wrote in the contract. Well, if this, then that. No, boo. God has asked us to live according to his word. And David reminds us in Psalm 119 and 93 that when I don't forget his commands, he gives me life. The life that I'm looking for is not just connected to promotions next steps, finding a spouse or having the marriage that you've always dreamed of or ending up in Cancun. Can we just think about Cancun right now? (laughs) No, it's actually connected to our willingness to memorize scripture and live it. Our willingness to digest scripture and love it. Because there's a promise that God makes at the very end of Psalm 1, and the promise he makes is this, Psalm 1 and 6, the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. There's there's only one choice here that lets us know that God is watching over our way and will guide us and guard us along that way, and it's the way of the righteous, the way of the blessed man, the way of the one that allows themselves to walk, 
stand and sit in life-giving places. And I don't know about you, it takes a lot of courage to live a life that is led by God's word, by his spirit, but the results are always undeniable. What are the results, Kyle? You can still smile through the midst of tears because God's watching your way. You can still breathe in the midst of grief because God's watching your way. You can have clarity in the midst of chaos because God's watching your way. You can have direction in the midst of difficulty because God is watching your way. The question is, what direction will we lean into? Well, I know the direction that I don't want, the way of the wicked, because it leads to destruction. And even if I'm not dying today, I could die eternally forever. I'll pass on that one. But the direction that I want is the one that's connected to God's eyes being on me and his hand moving me from faith to faith and from glory to glory. The same God that carried those who stand in our 66 books, either in the Bible or in our phone, that's the same God that says, I'm watching your path as well. And if the future is now, it's tied to decisions we make today that will produce the results we've been looking for. And I believe I'm in a room with believers and followers that say, I don't just want to say I'm blessed because I have stuff. I want to say that I'm blessed because God has me and I have him. Do you believe that this morning? Would you stand to your feet all over this room? I want to pray for you. Jesus, I ask that everyone under the sound of my voice that's walking through this year would see the area that you have called to challenge them in. And I pray that you would give them courage to meet that challenge. I pray that your grace would meet them in their weaknesses. And thank you that you watch over our way. So be it unto us according to your word in Jesus' name. And we will give you all the praise that you deserve. Can somebody shout amen? Amen. Would you lift your hands all over this room? Let's worship him today.
to do just for a moment. We don't want to take for granted that everybody has chosen to live this life, the blessed life. We want to give an opportunity for someone today to say, I, I've been around some ungodly people. My thoughts have gone that direction. My life has gone that direction. But today I realize that it's time to make a change because my future is right now. In a moment, we're going to pray a simple prayer of commitment. And all that matters is that with the words of your mouth, you believe what you're saying in your heart and scripture says you will be saved. City First, I'm gonna ask you to pray this prayer out loud because it's never God's desire that anyone would feel left out. So just say, Jesus, I need you. I've tried on my own and I've failed. Today, I hand you my sin. I receive your forgiveness. I hand you my life. I receive your love. Be Lord of my life, King of my heart, today and every day to come. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, can we give a big praise?